Hello there. I'm Ryan Woods, a Spartan god. This is my own mind. You're listening to the I'm a Spartan podcast, Scott Knowles. And I'm... What the fuck am I doing this, man? This is fucking stupid. Are you kidding me? I'm doing these favors for these bums? Nah, fuck this. I'm out here. Katie, bring me some wine. I'm fucking out. I'm Scott the Fane Knowles, and you're listening to another episode of I'm Spartan OCR Podcast. What's up, everybody? Got a cool episode here, and an even cooler guest, my buddy Brian Beal. He hasn't been on the show since episode 48. I met Brian in 2018 at Charlotte, and uh, I think I brought him on the show after he did the Tahoe race in 2018. So it's been a while back, but if you want to know more about Brian, go back and listen to that episode. Most people probably do know Brian. He's got really long hair. He does these like cheerleader flips over the fire jump sometimes. I nickname him the Tiger King because he's got this tattoo of a tiger on his stomach with like pink smoke coming out of his eyes or something and I think there's like another tiger tattoo like on his arm and he's got something where there's like a a panther wrestling a really mean earthworm and there's like flowers all around. I don't know. So I just nickname him Tiger King. So if you see him, just call him Tiger King. But anyway, I brought him on this episode because he just did a race called Shadows of the South 100, which is a 100-mile race that has... A hellacious, a lot of climbing. And uh, he tapped out at mile 81, and he had already had in almost 20,000 feet of gain at that point. But anyway, we're fixing to go all over that race, you know, how it went, what worked, what didn't. And he's going to tell us how he's going to attempt his next 100-miler. And also, we're just going to talk about ultras and, like, Spartan Ultra prep in general because we got Tri-State coming up, Fayetteville's coming up, and, you know, I'm a nerd for the ultras anyway. I love talking about ultras and ultra prep, so he's a good guest to have on for it. He placed second at Carolinas in the ultra in November. And last year in Fayetteville, he ran age group, but I want to say his time was his time was good enough for, I think, maybe third for elite. So he's crushing it. Like, I remember in 2018 and 2019, like, we did Spartanburg and the Tryon Ultras, and, like, he couldn't keep up with me. And when we did Fayetteville at the beginning of last year, like, one mile into the race, I couldn't keep up with him. I was like, there's no way I can hold this pace, and I just let him walk off, and I think he even beat me by almost an hour. So he's really, like, coming into form. He's been crushing a lot of trail races, and... uh He's like a little brother to me, and it's just awesome to see, you know, how good he's getting, and uh, he's putting in the work. But anyway, here's the episode with Brian Beal, the Tiger King. Brian Tiger King Beal, what is up, man? Working my ass off, Junior. Working my ass off. All you're doing is sitting in a truck and riding around, man. Sitting in a truck and riding around is all you're doing. And pushing and pulling these 600-pound carts, Junior. Come on now. Oh, are you helping unload now? 
Well, I am the unloader. What are you talking about? Oh, I thought you had people unload for you before. Oh, hell no. No, yeah. no, I have to unload them. Last night I had to unload 42 of them in the rain all night long in Kentucky, in the backwoods. <laughs> it sounds like good, like, obstacle course training to me, man. Uh, I mean, I ain't going to argue with that. <laughs> Okay, everybody, this is my friend, Brian Bill. He drives trucks for a living. If you want to know more about him, he was on episode 48 that was in 2018. That's been a long time, Brian. It has been. It has been. So anyway, Brian is going to tell us all about his... This was supposed to be the episode where Brian talks to us about completing his first 100-mile race, but... We're just going to have to do this bullshit instead since you didn't finish the race. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you made it 81 miles and you gained almost 20,000 feet. That's what you said on your Instagram post, man. Yep. Yep. So, but something happened because the race is called Shadows of the South. But I think Michael was telling me something like, some permits were pulled and they had to move the race or some shit like that? Well, apparently when you have, I didn't know any big trail race or any trail race period from what I understood. Uh, Sean was talking about, Runbum was talking about uh, when you get permits, he said a lot of times when you put on these trail races, you only get verbal permission literally until like two days before the race. And then they can literally pull your permit at any given time. Right. So everybody gave him verbal permission, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. But Georgia gave him written permission. North Carolina and South Carolina ended up getting into heat with some environmental people and damn got their shit pulled last second. So instead of being three state, 100-mile point to point to point, it ended up being two loops all in Georgia and Sky Valley, which – was still a nice area, so it wasn't wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, I've done the shorter race at Sky Valley, and that's a pretty cool that's a cool area, but it's a lot of climbing. I guess it is. Because we did the shorter race, I think the shorter race is twenty five k. Is that yeah, twenty five. Yeah, yeah. And it was cool. It was foggy, so we couldn't even see anything at the top of the platform when we got up there that day. Right. All right. So, but it was still basically the same kind of profile as like mileage and elevation. He just did two loops of 50 miles, right? Yeah, it almost actually ended up being, it was literally going to be almost the exact same race, which is pretty cool. They was able to, you know, handle that and within two days. Yeah, but it kind of sucks for you because like after you do that first loop, then you got to do that second loop and you're like, fuck, I remember this hill. You remember every damn one of them hills. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So, man, like, how did you feel? Like, what was your strategy going into this? Because let me get this right. Have you ever run a 50-miler? No. So if this was your longest race to date, everything before that has been 50Ks. Or you did, like, a 40-miler with some friends on a weekend one time, right? Yeah, we did, like, the, we did like 99% of the Mount Mitchell Challenge, which is, you know, 20 miles. 5,000 feet to the top of Mount Mitchell and then 20 miles back down. But we chilled for like an hour and a half at the top. Right. And he came up at like 42,000. I mean, 42 miles and like 5,000 feet. Right. But other than that, that's, yeah, that's my longest run. Okay, man. So, like, what was your plan 
of, you know, attacking this beast, man? Walk us through it. Um, honestly, the plan was to hit, you know, I hit December hard on the running, you know, fucking Florida trifecta and all that. I was going to hit January pretty hard. Started out with, you know, South Mountain Marathons. Got second in that, which is, you know, big, big goal for me anyway. Ran the half marathon the next day with my wife. Then ended up getting sick in January. Freaking took two weeks off, not on purpose. So jumped back in February pretty hard. DNF to 50K. Uh, up my mileage like 140. March climbed my ass off. Just, right. you know, throwing in all the elevation I could. Right. April, I was only running two or three days a week prior to because work, which kind of threw me out of whack just because I knew my legs were, you know, not, you know, they was kind of used to being like, oh, I'm running eight hours a week. And then they went to like, oh, I'm running three hours a week. So mainly, seriously, the goal in that hundred was not to die <laughs> on the first lap, period. That, I mean, if I was like, if I could get through the first lap, I could get through the race. Right. You know, obviously that wasn't true, but that was the, that was the overall intention to, you know, not be myself and go out and act like it's a 50K and go balls to the wall. Right. So when you got up that morning, like, did you feel like today's a good day? Or or did you kind of know that, like, you, you weren't sure, like, how it was going to go? Um, I won't lie. I woke up. Like, I mean, I went to bed. Dude, I had worked, uh, I don't know, probably, I would say literally every hour from that Sunday to that Thursday night when I got off. Or that, uh, what would that be, Friday morning, I think. Right. So, I mean, I was, you know, I was 80, 90 hours in a week in oh, like five shit. days, it felt like. So, when we got up there, you know, back and pick up whatever, they were in that hotel room for like two hours and knocked out at maybe like six, seven in the afternoon. Right. So, when I woke up, dude, 4.30 in the morning, fucking, I was ready to go. Like, I, I, didn't, I mean, I woke up feeling awake and I knew it wasn't your typical, I have to wake up and go balls to the wall versus... Right. You know, so it really did. I mean, I really woke up, like, completely ready to run that race. I mean, I was focused. I was good to go, having a good time, bullshitting at the start line. Right. So, like, did you go out too hot? I warned you. I texted you the night before and told you not to. Um, see, here, well, here's the thing. I definitely didn't go out too hot because there was – our first four miles on this course was basically free. I mean, they had, like – I mean, maybe 400 feet a game, but over 400 miles, I mean, over four miles, you know, basically isn't nothing. And it was paved, like two miles pavement, two miles of an easy trail. Yeah, I remember that. On the side of the road. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't like I went out hot necessarily. Now, there was a part where we came down from, uh, you know, the same tower we see in the 25K. I yeah. came down from that tower like four miles to an aid station. Then you come down like another 10 miles to another aid station. Right. And I ran it, but I didn't run it near like I would have ran it during a fucking Spartan race or like I'd run it during a 50K. Right. Because even a 50K, dude, I would have bombed that 14-mile section at freaking six pace holding on for dear life. But I came down pretty conservatively. So I can honestly say I don't really think there was any point in that race that I was like, okay, I'm doing too much too fast, you know. Right. Which is surprising. (laughs) So, like... But were you think were like when when you were running, were you thinking, Am I going too fast? Do I need to slow down? Do I need to go faster? Like what was your pacing strategy for like making time cutoffs? Because what was the cutoff? Thirty eight hours, thirty six? 
the cutoff was 38, and I won't lie. I knew that was such a long cutoff. Dude, I didn't check that shit for not one aid station. Just because I knew, I was like, okay, if it's 38 hours, the cutoff's got to be way, way slower than what I even intended on running. Because, right. you know, I set out, uh, not intentionally, but I looked at my, my my watch at mile 25, and I was on right at, like, sub, maybe, like, right at 24, 25 pace. And I was holding back a good bit in those first 25, which I was also, you know, 4,000 feet of climbing deep. So I was trying to, you know, not overextend myself. Right. So what was your av- what was your average pace for the first 25 miles? You remember? Uh, honestly, I don't. But if I had to guess, it's probably in the 11s, I think, because there was a lot of downhill and a lot. I mean, there was a lot of ups, but there was also a lot of downs. And those downs, I probably right. ran it you know, 9.30, just to, you know, get get down the road. And then the ups, dude, I was climbing all the ups at, like, 15. Like, all that, you know, all the elevation training in March seriously paid off. And I didn't even realize it until, you know, some badass lady named Michelle Gray, you got to look her up. She ran, like, 150 ultras. She even, she said something at, like, mile 70. She's like, dude, you're a hell of a fucking climber. And I was like, I appreciate it. Didn't even, didn't even register that I was climbing abnormally faster than I do. Right. But... She she took notice and then I was like, well, shit, I am getting up that mountain a little, you know, a little easier than I got up Palmerton last year. Right. But do you think that's what trashed your legs though, too? <laughs> I don't know, dude. I don't. I won't lie. As far as like one hundred percent. I mean, this this looking back, you know, after DNF, I don't think anything particularly actually trashed my legs because I only had a mile forty seven. I was sitting down, you know, like, I just sit right on the ground, fucking got me some pickle juice. And this was prior, I wasn't cramping yet or anything like that. And uh, I stood up, and I've never had a, uh, what was it? I've had a calf cramp, you know, where your whole muscle moves, but I've never had one of my quad. Dude, I literally stood up and watched my whole quad shift like two inches. Oh, wow. And I was, I was like, okay, that's a problem. Dude, I've you know, I flipped out for about a millisecond, and then I sit back down, and uh, somebody had a roller, took that roller, rolled it right out. I never had another leg cramp whatsoever. Huh. So, I don't think anything, yeah, and do my legs right now. Or It's crazy. I'm walking around work. I mean, I'm pulling these carts like it ain't nothing. So, I don't think the legs were the problem. But I'll be damned if coming down 20,000 feet or 21,000, whatever, the knees were definitely the problem. So, when that happened, was it like a slow... Like, did the pain, like, come on slowly? Or was it all of a sudden you finished the downhill and, like, bam, my knees are jacked? Uh, let's see. So, at mile, I want to say, um, I mean, if I'm going back in order, at, the, like, the fifth aid station, I think I was coming in at mile probably 37 and a half, the aid station, I think. Yeah. My knees had a twinge, but we was on a, I just climbed back up the mountain. I had six miles of easy gravel road. And, like, three of them was downhill. And I was running down that hill pretty good, you know, 10 pace, really trying to conserve. I got to that aid station. My left knee was hurting, but no more than when I damn go on any other mountain run for freaking four or 5,000 feet. Right. So, like, it ain't a big deal. Sat down, acted like you know, everything was good. Took off that aid station. Dude, literally, the knee quit hurting completely. Huh. I, I have no other problems with that knee until later that night when, uh, me and my buddy Jason took back up off the mountain. And I told him, I was like, dude, if I can get up this mountain, I can finish this race. Well, when we got up that mountain, 
I seriously did not remember that gravel hill being like three miles of that six miles was like at negative 10% grade. Yeah. So once I got to that and I realized, you know, I dropped like half a mile, you know, real slowly. And I couldn't even, I couldn't even walk the flats barely because it, that literally dropping that half mile made me move at like two miles an hour, if that. Right. So it was just bending your knees is what was hurting so bad then? Yeah, and literally the pressure. Like, I mean, no shit, dude. If I didn't have the poles, ain't no way I would have been, I wouldn't have got to that next aid station. I think it had been damn near impossible without crawling. So when you were coming down that hill, like you're talking about, what miles were you at at that point? Uh, 75 is when I left my next to last aid station. So 75 to 81. And I think around 78, those last three was probably, I'd say probably about, well, I would say 10, but that sounds pretty steep. Probably about eight, you know, maybe six to 8% of just gravel downhill for three miles straight. Man, I hate running on those gravel service roads. I know it's easy running, but I just hate doing it. I don't like it. Dude, you, oh God. Well, and on top of that, though, here's the mistake I think I could have possibly done me in without knowing it. Right. You know, I run in speed goat fours about uh, 99.9% of the time. Spartans, any race I'm doing, speed goat fours. Right. Well, I got a new pair of speed goat fives that I ran a half marathon in. The only thing is they made them a little lighter. They're more comfortable around your foot, like the upper is more comfortable. Right. But I think they took some of that padding out so they feel more like a damn – they feel more like a race shoe versus a all-day comfort trail shoe. Yeah, it's more so like the feet, Evo, I think, from what I understand. Or... Exactly. Which in my feet, you know, in my thought process, I was like, all right, these shoes are killing my feet because I've been in them for, you know, 18 hours. Let me go ahead and change into these freaking new ones. Even though they're a little different, I just thought that new cushion would be, you know, better than the old cushion no matter what because I haven't got no miles on the new ones. Right. And, I, and, you know, they felt fine going up the mountain, but I think when I got on that gravel road, just not having that extra amount of cushion and them shoes not being broken very well could have been, you know, maybe just put a little bit too much pressure on my knees and then, boom, out we went. You might be right. But, you know. Yeah. Never try anything new on race day, which technically weren't. You've already run one race in them. Right, right. I and mean, I ran a, a full speed marathon. Well, I mean, I ran a full speed half marathon in them, and they did great. But, like you said, they're freaking, you know. But, I mean, I ain't never ran that far in the first place. So I reckon I was trying all kinds of new shit on race days. So. Oh, yeah, man. Like, what you did was like, it was fucking awesome, man. And, I mean, to make it that far, and your longest rate to date was half that at leisure pace. I mean, it's nothing percent, but, percent. I mean,. You know, crushing goals right there. You know what I mean? <clears throat> I mean, I mean, this is nothing but an awesome like learning experience on like what you can do next time, man. So, like, what did you feel worked good at this attempt? Um, that you'll take into your next hundred miler. Well, as far as working good i'm definitely i don't think i'll ever switch out of my speed goat course like i'm literally gonna go buy two more pair even though they're freaking 150 bucks before they get sold out because you know they're bad about when they sell out they're just gone right so i like that shoe i'm gonna go buy two point two more pairs that way i at least got a couple thousand miles to go on them. right and then uh you know i mean just simple stuff like 
uh, Sheila wasn't going to be at every aid station to begin with. Like, I, th- I think she was going to be, like, still 60 and then showing up. And then, you know, but it turned out those aid stations were really easy to get to. So she was able to make her way, you know, basically every single one of them, which helps out a lot. That's you awesome. Know? So, and I didn't, I didn't think it was going to make that much of a difference, but it does make a difference when you can hand people your water bottle and like, hey, can you do this? Can you do this? Why I do this? Right. It just saves you, you know, five, ten minutes here and there. Right, yeah. So, you know, definitely having a crew, maybe next time having a crew of two or three people would actually be even a little easier, even though we'll get to that in a little bit. But And, uh, and Sheila is Brian's wife, if anybody's wondering who Sheila is. Yeah, yeah. Scorpio Spartan <laughs> on Instagram. Go ahead and drop that tag. And, uh... But, I mean, uh, I, I ran with two bottles all day long, you know. Right. And I had more bottles. But, you know, when freaking we're runners, we like specific, you know, specific whatever. Right. So I'll probably literally buy eight of those exact same bottles and I already have them full of what I want and just, boom, in and out versus having to unscrew them, take them out, put them back in. Not a big deal, but, you know, just small stuff like that. Um, talking to people helped a lot. Right. Get your mind out of it. Yeah, I didn't slow down intentionally very many times, but when I did, you know, like I started pacing with a guy who was running the 50-miler, super cool dude. Man, I looked down, we was a mile 10, and I've been talking to this dude for two hours, you know, so that made time go by fast. I talked to two ladies at, like, uh, probably miles 50 through 60, and both of them were just, you know, badass 100-mile runners who's done, like, every 100 you could imagine with that much elevation gain, like the hardest of the hard races. Uh, yeah, I mean, music would be great. Like, I didn't realize that you have to, I thought when you bought music on your phone, it was automatically downloaded to your phone, but apparently that's not the case. <laughs> the music helped a lot, but it would play like, you know, and I've had this whole playlist on my phone for years back before I discovered, you know, iHeartRadio and Pandora and shit. Right. And then it'd play a song and it'd, it'd skip like the whole bullet from my Valentine album and then play some gay shit that I downloaded. And I'm like, <laughs> what in the hell? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, damn, dude, I was getting into this shit. Next thing you know, he's skipping all my music. So I was like, whatever. That's um, funny. Headlamps. God, bring a good headlamp. Luckily, I had one. I had two. and uh, I actually probably had three. But I carried uh, I carried two headlamps at all time. Next time, I'll carry three just in case. You know, because there was a couple of times I stuck my head under a creek and forgot that headlamp was on my head. Luckily, it's waterproof. And right. I just, you know... Dumb stuff like that. What headlamp were you using? What brand? Dude, I use a, uh, it's a Coast is what I normally use for work. And let me tell you, this Coast headlamp, for anybody listening, it's heavy. And I say it's heavy. I mean, it's heavy as shit. Like it's, but dude, that thing's like a thousand lumens. Oh, wow. It will literally light up for like 10 hours straight. Oh, wow. I mean, period. And it's weatherproof. Now, here's the problem. I forgot that one in my work truck. <laughs> so... I ended up using the old, uh, the, like the Walmart Energizer headlamp. Yeah, that's what I use. Freaking, that we use in Graham Ultras. Right. It did freaking great the whole time. I put a fresh set of batteries in it, never had a problem out of it. Yeah. Luckily. You know, now, it wasn't near as bright as that other one at work, but a damn thing did the job all night long, so it wasn't an issue. Yeah, that's usually what I always use, too. All right, man, so what didn't go according to plan or didn't work that you're not going to do when you go into your next 100 miles? Kind of the opposite of that other question. Uh, Didn't go to plan, didn't go to plan. 
All right, so uh, no shoe changes unless it's the same pair of shoes I was already wearing. So if I'm in speed go force, I'm putting on another pair of speed go force. Right. I you agree know, with that. Yeah, because, I mean, that was just, you know, like I said, it, it didn't make a difference going up the mountain at all, but it made a difference definitely coming down the mountain, and I didn't realize that was going to happen. Um, I would say pacing, but like I said, man, I don't know. The only problem I ran into with that is like the people, some of the people who finished that race, they're finishing, you know, 28, 30 hours. Right. And I was working against, I'm not sure if I can be on my feet for 28 or 30 hours. So I'm going to get it done in X amount of time. So maybe slowing down that pacing even more than I thought I had to. Now that I know, like, you know, I was on my feet for 25 hours. So if I'm on my feet for 25, maybe next time I can just slow it down even more, you know, in that first 50 and then be on my feet for 30 if that's what it takes to get the race done. Right. Um, that sounds like good advice. I feel like somebody almost texted you that information the night before. Yeah. You'd be surprised <laughs> on how hard it is to walk in a race. <laughs> really. It is. Now, I, it you, is. you would be proud, though. I did walk every uphill. I did not. Yeah, there was no, like, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to get up this hill, really. No, I power hiked every uphill. And, I mean, I hiked it, you know, damn near leisurely. So I was really, it's really kind of, I was shocked on myself on that because it's very hard to switch your mindset into like, you don't have to run the uphills. You can literally just walk them and be, you know, still having a good time or whatever. Hey, I'm guilty of it too. We did that Florida 45 miler and I was going at a good pace and I was, you know, just a good jogging pace, you know, but it was still faster, you know, for me doing that distance for the first time and me just wanting to survive it. Like about mile 18, I was starting to feel it, you know, because it was just a lot of technical sloshing through the swamp. And about mile 18, I was thinking, you know what? I should have started walking sooner, you know. Right, right. Well, what's the rule? You're supposed to walk before you have to. <laughs> right. Walk before and you I'm have like, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or then you'll do like me and walk six miles and die. You know? Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you think that you could have uh, – walked out the rest of it was there enough time you think no uh yeah that's a that is a hard realization because i had 13 hours and 19 miles left yeah that would have been hard but especially with all the pain you had going on too well and i i I said i was looking at two miles an hour at best case scenario but a lot of that you know Dude, it was 10 miles to the next aid station. And that 10 miles, I just didn't feel like there was any way in hell. Now, I did break my own rule. I tell you one thing, because I, I told, I told you know, I told the whole crew, I was like, next time, I said, I'll change my shoes back to whatever I was wearing. I'll go sit in that creek and, you know, ice my whole legs right. you know, for however long I think necessary. And I'll get up and I'll go walk five miles in the woods. And if I die, then y'all have to drag me back. <laughs> I shouldn't have... <laughs> I hate that I quit at that damn aid station. It's driving me freaking crazy, which is going to cause me to sign up for another one because I shouldn't have quit there. I should have, you know, I should have damn got up. Even if it was two miles an hour, I should have got up and at least made the attempt. But I won't lie, there's a Waffle House like five miles down the damn road, and I was ready to be done, and I was hungry. Right. Well, I mean, and it's one of those things, too. It's easy to go back after some days have passed and been like, I should have done this. But, and, you know, but you've been awake, you know, more than 24 hours. You're hurting all over. 
and Hail. your mental capacity is, you know, has left you, you know, you're not in your, your same, you know, mind frame where you can grit through stuff like that's, you know, going away as time passes, you know, and you're yeah. 80 miles into this race and you're thinking, shit, I got 20 more miles to go and I'm walking with pain right now. So it's it, yeah, definitely, it, it, like I said, it, and I didn't even think of it like that, but you can tell, yeah, the, the grittiness part, you know, just kind of, it didn't fully leave, but it was definitely more like, yeah, I could call it right here. And that's, that's a bad thing to know. You know what I'm saying? Cause if nobody would have been that station, then I, you know, maybe I'd have had to get up and do the next 10 miles, but knowing that I could call it right there is kind of like, ah, well, <laughs> said yep. I've been up for a hot minute. So. Yep, man. I mean, and it's just, it's one of those things. It's a hard position. And like you said, that's your first time going 24 hours in a race period. So you, you opened all kind of new doors there with like, dealing with the demons that you build up in your head, you know, that voice telling you you're in pain, this isn't normal, you need to quit. So, I mean, that's the first time you've had to deal with that, you know. Right. So, I to mean, that level, anyway, yeah. Yeah, man, it's just part of it, man. So, I probably would have quit way before you did. <laughs> Especially <laughs> if my knees were, like, bothering me like yours was, man. I hate knee pain, man. Like, an IT band <laughs> syndrome, when that shit flares up, man. Yeah, you just well, want I won't lie. I, I got I got real lucky because I mean that like I said that one A station the first time it done it it only done it for like like I said barely done it and it and it it almost quit doing it so fast that I forgot, completely forgot about it. It's just when it done it that second time it never let up. You know, that's like I was kind of I was debating on like you know should I get up and walk two miles out of this A station, but on the other hand. Uh, it ain't got better in the past three to four miles. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah, I don't really see it getting any better in the next hour. I'm thinking it's actually going to get worse, and I'm probably right. going to be laying on the gravel face down somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, and it's and I know a lot of people are like, well, man, you should have toughed it out, blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing. I know you. You're just like me. You've got a shitload of more races planned out for the rest of this year. Fayetteville Ultra being one of them in three weeks. And yeah, yeah. you don't want to wreck yourself on one race to fuck up all your training for the rest of the year. You know what I mean? That is a fact. I mean, who's to say that if you would have kept going, you might would have like seriously jacked up your knee and not even been able to run for, you know. Yeah, a month. Two yeah, a month or two months. Six months, you know, depending on how bad it could have been. Which now, but don't get me wrong, I will never, ever use that as an excuse, you know, as far as, you know, like if I thought it was feasible and push, and I could have pushed through, you know, I, I still would have done it. But the only thing is, like you said, as, you know, I was telling my dad, I said, God, I wish I would have just freaking, you know, like I said, numbed it in the creek and kept on going or something or put a tiger bomb on it to where I couldn't feel my knees at all. But he was like, yeah, but if, you know, if you you put enough tiger bomb on it and you can't feel your knee in pain and you're running through pain and that ends up being a serious injury because you ran right through something that you probably shouldn't have yeah i, I was like yeah i mean that's a good point so i was like no shame there i mean that ain't that ain't that ain't good too i mean like if if this was like your end goal of the year then and it was like a huge a race for you i can see you know pushing through the pain and trying to get it done but i mean we're the type of people that 
you know, we run every other weekend. And if we weren't able to do that, we would be seriously unhappy. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So yeah, That would have been a big mood shift on that one. I mean, I mean, you made it a long way during the race, but 20 miles is a long way to go, and you knew that you were going to have to probably walk 90% of it because of the pain that you already had, so. Right. I mean, I ain't going to, I wasn't in your shoes. I'm not going to say you made the right or wrong decision, but chances are you probably made the wiser decision. That, uh, even uh girl who won uh, Florida race, you ran the 100 mile version, Aiden St. Charles, she said the exact same thing. She was like, I was stupid and I finished it. She was like, you quit in mile 81 probably means you were smart enough to back off the pedal <laughs> versus walking the next 20 and, you know, doing the exact same thing that I that she did. And so. I don't know if it was just the angle of the picture, but in one of those pictures, your right knee looked way bigger than your left knee. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure, but that's a possibility. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it because I mean they was both pretty jacked, so yeah, it's a, a good possibility. But I mean, dude, I mean, look at it this way: most people jump up in increments where they do their 50k, then they do a 50 miler, then they do a 100k, and then maybe they'll do their 100 miler. So you took a huge leap to try to do that 100 miler, and you did your first 80 miler, dude, man. So my hats off to you. That's that's freaking awesome, man. So. I mean, nothing but positive things come out of this race for you. And, I mean, if you if you were in the pain like you were feeling, man, it's probably a wise decision to stop. But And it also gives you a drive to strive harder for the next one because now you probably want that 100-mile finish more than ever. Oh, yeah. Well, and what's funny is I want it with a lot of elevation gain, too. Because I won't lie, the, I mean, I ain't going to put it out there, put it out there, but... There's one October 15th. There's one in Statesville, North Carolina, about 15 miles from my, well, not 15, but, you know, within driving distance of my house pretty easily. Right. And it's a four-mile loop over and over and over. And it's a cool race. I mean, they're cool people. Right. But it it, it would be like 25 loops. And I just I was like, mm, no, not really. Huh. But there's one in Norton, Virginia that's got 21,000 feet of climbing on some technical trails. And I'm like, well, <laughs> there we go. Huh. So a couple more months, I'm probably throwing my hat right back in that ring, and that'll be a couple weeks after Tahoe. So yeah, word up, I man. I should be in, yeah, I should be in good shape for it. See, because I'm gonna be honest with you, like you quitting this race makes perfect sense to me, dude. But the one that you quit, the Carolina Ultra in 2019, man, you were one mile away from the finish, and you had to tap out there because you were getting hypothermic, man. That is a heartbreaker to me, dude. Yeah, yeah. That caused me to buy a damn $200 rain jacket. Actually, <laughs> you know, not not be scared to layer up, even if it is uncomfortable at times. Yep. So before Brian started really training super hard, like me and Brian, we ran the Spartanburg Ultra and the first Ultra at Tryon in 2019. We ran those Ultras together, and I could keep up with them. But when we, I tried to run with them in Fayetteville in 2021, after the first mile, I was like, I can't keep up with you, man. I'll see you later. And he beat me by like an hour. So Brian's fitness is. I didn't beat you by an hour. You did beat me by an hour, dude. You was like 530 and I was like 630 or 610 or something. You, you beat me by almost an hour, dude. You, you skunked me. (laughs) 
Because when I was coming through the rolling mud, I think you were going out of transition, and I still had to go through, do the spear throw, and run through that section of the woods and everything. Oh, yeah, with the mud pit and the monkey bars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Helix. Yeah, I had to do all that crap. Yeah, man, your fitness is up, man. You've gotten a lot faster, dude. Did you get 111 at that race at Fayetteville? Yeah, yeah. That's actually what made me run elite and try on because I was like, well, if I can do 111, you know, and it was semi comfortable on that one, you know, because my age group was 222, two, two, I guess. And right. I guess the other guy was 333. Three, three. So I was like, all right, if I can beat those guys and do age group, I was like, any ultra from now on needs to be elite. You know, just because it uh, uh, seems not fair, but you know what I'm saying? It's almost, I ain't going to say it's easy getting one 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 in age group for the right. ultras. It's just, you know, i done that one handedly enough to where I felt like it would be really easy in try-on. Right. And then I'm pretty sure you pulled it out in try-on. Yeah, that was a good race for right. me. Is it you pull out triple ones in try-on? Yep, that's the first time I've ever done that. Yeah, hell yeah. I was having a good day. I probably should have run elite with y'all, but man, I just didn't expect like, cause man, there was a lot of good runners in y'all's heat and like some people had some bad days, you know, I just well, had a super good tougher day. than most people. I doubt <laughs> that. But th- like that, I, like to me, out of all the ultras I've run, that was about as perfect as one could go. Like yeah, my yeah. running was good. My fueling was good. My transitions were good. I can't think of, I can't think of where I could have saved much time in that race at all. Like maybe right. a minute or two, possibly. Like the only thing I failed Olympus on the first lap because it was covered in ice, but it was a, a penalty loop, and that was the only thing like I failed. But I mean, as far as like running and doing everything in that race, I just don't think I could have done anything a lot faster. Right, which like, is a good feeling. I, yeah, man, like it, that was the perfect ultra race for me. So there, that's few and far between. <laughs> but uh, so, man, like we're coming up to Fayetteville in a couple of weeks, and I'm doing New Jersey this week, man. So let's talk Spartan ultra shit. Oh yeah, we like that. Yeah, man, we like that. So, like, like you said, you know, you've got your your first elite podium was at the Carolina ultra in november right yes yep and so i think your time in fayetteville for 2021 was good enough for like third place in elite wasn't it uh either i want to say yeah like third maybe by like five minutes yeah or, or it was yeah third by five or like second by two or something like that but yeah i think it was third so do you think you're going to be able to like kind of recover from this hundred miler attempt to throw your hat in on it for the elite there? Um, honestly, I really think it's going to make it, I ain't going to say damn near impossible for me to lose it because that sounds cocky and I'm not a cocky person, Right. but I'm really looking at it like, dude, it's going to be like a five hour race, six hour race at max. And I just suffered for 25. So I'm damn, I, I'm in my mind, I'm pretty sure I can go out whatever pace I want and just hold it and sit in it for a minute. Because, it, you know, in, in I, I guess in retrospect, it's literally a fourth of the race I just done. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, you know, I mean, I, and my body 
to be two days after, I'm feeling pretty good at the moment. You know, like my, my calves are a little beat up. My knees are still a little janky. Yeah. But, I mean, I was jogging around my truck yesterday just messing around just to see if I could even, you know, put, like, any full pressure on it. Right. So, I should be back to fully recovered enough to them, you know, go out there and give it hell. What's fun, though, is there's – I think I know five people who's entered that race in Elite, and we've all stood on Elite podiums in the Ultra. Oh, no so, shit. Who is it? Is, is Max uh, coming? No, but me, uh, Ben – Maids, right? Joel Hayes. I don't know him. I uh, guess. Uh, Luke Hayes' brother. He won the 2000. He got second in the ultra IDNF. Oh. Uh, yeah, and try on. Yeah, it's been a minute since he's been on there, but damn, there's like two more people that's all been on the podiums. For oh that, wow! You know, for ultras. So I mean, it'll be a you know, it'll be a definitely a fun race to where between the five of us, somebody's gonna push the pace pretty hard. Yeah. You know, it's surprising that it's going to be, it's surprising there's going to be like that type of field there because I don't think it's a payout race. I don't think none of those races are payout because that's the same weekend as Big Bear, I think. Right. Well, I want to say, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised by it too, but you also got to think, dude, that's an easy ultra compared to, you know, Jersey compared to. Oh, yeah. Know, and if you, if you want one to qualify for Worlds, you know, on a semi-flat course, but I don't, I think people forget that, you know, Fayetteville could be. 75 degrees and cloudy or it could be 100 and, and no clouds well you so, gotta think it's a month earlier this year oh did not even think about that yeah because we did that shit in june last year it was a scorcher so it should be a little cooler but hell i would imagine it could probably be 100 degrees in may there too we're in the 90s down here this week oh god i'm not yeah, and it's going to be 30-something on Saturday in New Jersey. Yeah. It's because I'm going to race there. That's why the weather's going to be cold. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah. That means you probably wear a jacket because you could DNF, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> no, not me, man. I can't wear jackets. I don't think I could deal with that. Like, if I did Tahoe, I'd wear a jacket at Tahoe. Like that Houdini right, right. jacket you got that I haven't splurged by yet. Oh, my God, dude. It's the best $100 you'll ever spend, I'm telling you. I'm going to get one one day. I did get some bleg mitts at Tough Mudder this past weekend. Evan Paparis was there selling them, so I got me a couple of pair. Some what? Some uh, bleg mitts. Oh, yeah. You got any of those yet? Uh, I had a pair. Can you still hear me good? Yeah, I can. What are you doing, like changing out your trailer right now? Hell yeah, making racket. Sometimes <laughs> my my Bluetooth stays somehow connected to the truck, even though it's not connected to my truck. Well, you sound uh, good, yeah. even though you're walking around doing stuff. I tried the Blake Mets, dude. And I hated them. Oh yeah. I yeah, I just couldn't. Uh, matter of fact, I got a pair you can have if you want because I never used them. I used them one time and I hated them. Where the no, fuck were you at before last weekend when I bought some, man? <laughs> You got to ask people, fool. <laughs> well, come and do World's Toughest Mudder with me. You might need them there. Man, I would. But it's just not near as cool as Spartan Race. I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, World's Toughest Mudder will be fun. Dude, we had a good time running Tough Mudders past weekend. Like, all those obstacles were, like, fun, dude. Just as far as, like, a, a race where you're hanging out and doing, like, a fun lap, that shit was fun. Sorry. Right. All right.
What are you doing right now? Running through a warehouse, grabbing paperwork, switching stuff out. About to drive 600 miles. Mm, that sounds like fun. Watch out for them lot lizards now. Yeah, yeah. We don't get that lucky out here no more. <laughs> <laughs> no more? So you did used to get lucky? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I talked to some old truckers, maybe back in the 70s. They did, I think they call them sweakers now. <laughs> <Pretty sure. laughs> That's funny. So now, are, are you doing... Uh, now, are you doing... Grayson Highlands and Michael too, and then Fayetteville. Okay, I was just wondering. No, I'm gonna be recovering from New Jersey so I can get ready for Fayetteville. There you go. That's the way to do it. See, that's what I'm telling you. Like, and I was telling Michael this the other day because we were talking about how your race went, and he was talking about doing his hundred miler, and I was like, dude, if anybody has the mental grit to finish a hundred miler, it's you. Because you will argue with a brick wall and walk away from the conversation thinking you won. I was like, nobody can tell Michael to go fuck himself better than Michael. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fact. But, uh, oh, that reminds me. He wanted me to ask you, did, did you get any good, um, like, encouraging advice before the race or what was the best encouraging advice you got before the race are you talking about specifically from him that he sent me that i probably shouldn't say on a podcast or <laughs> <you're talking> about, <laughs> yeah. yeah i think it was uh how well, i want to say his exact words are i know you're gonna do good but you're still fucking gay <laughs> <laughs> yep that that sounds about like what something michael would say I won't lie though. I, I do this. I, I really, I mean, I'm about more excited for his 100 miler than I am, you know, for about any of my races coming up. Cause I, I'm going to try to get down there after Savage and maybe do a lap with him. Right. I got my son that weekend and that race is, I know where that race is. It's out in the middle of damn, well, literally in a hellhole, basically. But, uh. What are you talking about the Savage race in Dallas, Georgia? No, it, it falls on the same weekend as freaking Savage Charlotte. Oh, okay. You're talking yeah. about your 100 miler. Well, I was talking about his 100 miler. I was going to try to get down there and do a lap with him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, his I mean, I, the hell hole 100 he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I might try to, I still might try to make my way out there. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to get up there. I was going to go and do one lap with him, but we got plans that weekend. Um, that's going to be a hard 100 mile race. It's perfectly flat, but. I read like some Strava segments on there and there was this, this one girl I was reading hers and she had run like some 300 mile ultras before. And she was talking about how that was the hardest 100 miler she ever did because it was like a two mile section that was like in ankle deep or deeper water. And you had to do that oh, every 16 mile loops. Yeah, that's a problem. And she said her, her feet didn't even resemble feet anymore. So, dude, um, moving on, like, what is going to be your strategy um, going into the Fayetteville Spartan Ultraman? Um, basically, to hang out with the top guys, I'm going to intentionally. But you, not you're going to be anybody. the top guy, Brian. So, what are you saying? You're well, going to hang out with yourself? I mean, basically, <laughs> no. Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try. 
to uh, I'm gonna try to pace with everybody because I don't want to break away and be the front runner early on. Right. You I know? wouldn't either. I'd ride but on coattails. But I'll well, see. That's what I plan on doing. But I won't lie. You know, you ride on coattails, and you're fucking 20 miles in a race, and you miss your spear, and then you got to do burpees, and then you can't get back to where you was at that's true. because you wanted to. You know. So I mean, I'm gonna. I literally try my best to, I guess, uh, run my own race, as they say. But you know, if, if people's running a similar pace, then breaking, I'm gonna hang out with them, wait and wait and wait, and then slowly make that move up without you know. But that, yeah, that's the goal. Just to kind of them work together with the top two or three guys if they're going the pace I want to go, and then I, once I get a chance, break out and roll. How close were you to uh, Max at the Carolina Ultra? Because didn't he? Oh, he only beat you by like ten minutes, right? Or was it even that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it was about 10. He led for uh, – we traded back and forth a couple times. I think he fell off a Z-wall. And then uh, he did something else. I can't remember what else he'd done. But uh, he ended up passing me at mile 26, which which proves, you know, that he's a, he's a good athlete because he, he kind of – laid back and then laid into it the last five miles right he and i was kind of yeah because i was i was gassing out about marathon distance and he was putting on the surge about marathon distance mm. and just you know put about 10 minutes on me in five miles which is a lot yeah which you know i wasn't complaining because i was feeling good anyway so i was like eh, you can't people like that dude if, if they're that much better you gotta let them roll right i hear you i heard you i heard you <clears throat> so like for Fayetteville, walk us through like what your gear and your fueling strategy going to be like for the race. Like compared to what you did in Fayetteville last year, you going to do the same thing, or are you going to ch- make some changes? Uh, probably, honestly, probably the exact same thing. I mean, I, you know, as far as you know, talking about what gear I actually wear and all that. Yeah, just walk us through uh, your day, man. Definitely, uh, I switched these uh, running rabbit shorts. They're a little shorter. That way I can show off my legs. Everybody likes that. Yeah, we love and, that. Uh, you know, they're about three and a half inch split shorts. But they're the most, they're, they're like $60 shorts, which makes me absolutely sick that people pay that much money. But Yeah, that's like really kind of stupid if you think about God, it. God, but they're so comfortable. I mean, they're dead serious that you could run in things uh, apparently for 25 hours till your legs give out. Why don't but, you just uh, buy like some compression briefs for like 10 bucks and just wear those in no shorts and save 50 bucks? Nah, that ain't how it works. You know, that ain't how it works. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm telling you, I used to make fun of people for wearing short shorts. I'd see Ryan Woods, I'm like, this motherfucker. And now, every time I wear short shorts, I'm like, damn, he was on to some shit. <laughs> right. Because, uh, but anyway... Yeah, I wear running rabbit short shorts, freaking go-to socks are always features. What Shoes shocks? are always uh, features, socks. I don't guess they're I've ever most, heard of those. Oh, dude, they're like, uh, they're the same quality as Darn Tough Vermont, but they're a lot more comfortable, like a lot more comfortable. Like they don't, I don't know, they're, just, they're I mean, they're so much of a better sock. Really? And, uh... Oh, yeah, yeah, you definitely got to get in those. F-E-E-T-U-R-E-S. Things are the shit. Huh. I ain't never tried those. I always wear in gingy, so. I just got a pair of those, the toe socks. Right. I only wore them one time, but I don't, I don't know the point of them. 
because my feet's never blistered. But they was like, I try toe socks. I figured I'd give them a try. It's to keep your toes from not blistering. But, you know, I have had problems with my toes. toes blistering. But, right. you know, I've had problems with them blistering wearing the toe socks because they blister on the tips, not necessarily where they rub against one another. Oh. Yeah. It's probably because I'm wearing the wrong shoes. Man, I've been having problems. Like, ever since I did that Florida race, it's like I've been trying to get hot spots on the bottom of my feet, man. It's freaking ridiculous, man. I'm kind of worried about this weekend if one's going to pop up. I don't know. So... When you're getting a hot spot, is it like, I mean, is it so, is it so, such a hot spot that it's like you can tell it's literally about to form a blister if you don't change socks? Yeah, I mean, it's like I can feel, it's like when you're running, you can just feel this spot on the bottom of your foot and you're like, uh oh, it feels like a blister might be starting to come up. You know what I mean? Right. Because, like, when I did that race in Florida, I got a blister on the bottom of both of my feet. I don't know if it's because just running through all the water or whatever, but now that right. it's happened, it just feels like now that skin is sensitive and I'm close to getting them again. You know what I mean? It sucks. Yeah, that's odd. It that's is. One thing. That makes sense, though, because I kind of felt that the other day as far as the heat. I didn't know that's what that was. But I could definitely feel the heat on the bottom of my feet before I change socks. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, so like what kind of, like what is your fueling strategy for like the ultras, man? Like what do you do? Like you hit like a jail every 30 minutes? Like what brand are you using? Tell us what you're doing, man. Uh, I, I used to use goo packs. Gross. They're pretty hard to get down. Yeah, they're, <laughs> which I mean, they work really yeah. good. Yeah, they do. But, but now I switch to, uh stuff called e-fuel and it's literally just a different brand of a goo pack right but instead of 100 calories it's a little bit bigger and it's 150 calories and it's not as freaking you know thick and dense yeah so you know it just goes down easier huh i have to check it out i ain't heard of that brand yeah and they're pretty i mean they're not like the milky substance like you like you know they're kind of but i won't lie to they they i mean they do great for me they I ran that 100 miler on probably 25 of them and never felt hungry, never felt like it wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. Got that, a lot of sodium in it. Is it kind of like them spring energy gels then, kind of? Oh, God, those are terrible. <laughs> I like some of the flavors. Some of them ain't no I, good. That spearmint I, one is not no good. Yeah, my buddy Matt Miles handed me a grape one, dude. He didn't tell me it tastes it's like... What is it, like ground up nuts in it or something? I think it's like tapioca or like rice or something. <laughs> yeah, damn, dude, I, I won't even lie. I'd rather eat dirt. <laughs> dude, I was like, damn, don't ever eat me that shit, boy. That's funny. So is that, so now is that all you use for fuel? You don't have any solid foods you run with? Yeah, I know, that's it. Because, oh. I mean, yeah, it just, the solid foods, I mean, it works for some people. Right. And, you know, Dude, that 100 milers, the only solid food I got down. I, I had some bacon on, like, early on, maybe in the first 10 miles of that race. But I don't know if it was the Georgia weather or what, or just all the running. My mouth was so dry. I could not eat anything besides my goo packs, uh, some bone broth, and that was about it. Damn. And, um, well, I, I had freaking I things people think funny. I had Slim Jims in my freaking bin. Right. 
And then I took out on like mile 65 and I was like, damn, give me those slim gyms. Dude, it was like the only thing I could get down in huh. that whole race. So, I mean, that turned out freaking perfect. But as far as Fayetteville goes, no, I'll literally just have gels. I won't even carry water for that race. So what's in your drop bin, man? Um, I won't lie. Probably nothing, honestly. Because I, I always put stuff in there, but uh, I, I never use it. You know, I might have some water. Right. Other, But other than that, probably just leave it alone. You don't put like no caffeine or nothing, like some Enduralead in a shaker bottle or a bottle in your. I, I used to, but yeah, like I said, I mean, I think last year in Fayetteville, I literally had, yeah, I want to say a bottle of Gatorade. Hell, I think that was it. <laughs> bottle of Gatorade and a honey bun. Did you eat the honey bun? <laughs> I, I don't even. Th- I don't think I did. <laughs> That one time I ate a honey bun and damn, I left. I was trying to catch up with you, then I DNF, so it's bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> Superstitious. Right, I got you. You probably should have, if you'd have had the frosted one, you'd have been legit. You'd have been done, Then I'd have man. been good to go. Yeah, man, there it's the go. frosted honey buns are where it's at, man. The, the regular honey buns are trash. Hey. It's got to be frosted. <laughs> so, the best thing I did at Fayetteville, like, and it worked out like a charm, is I froze two bottles of water the night before, and I put it in my drop bin, and I chugged one and poured one on top of my head, and that felt so good because that race was so hot. (laughs) Now that, I may have to steal that idea. That's a good idea. It worked so good because by the time we got to transition, they were thawed out. Like There was like maybe a little bit of ice left in it, so all the water was just super cold, man. I was pretty impressed with myself for coming up with that one. <laughs> now, now when you uh, now when you run these ultras, do you literally stop? And this is—I don't want to tell anybody the secrets, but this one's the most common sense you can get. At every single—and this is for anybody that ever runs any ultra whatsoever—if it's hot, every time you get a chance, right? When your body is sweating, your body's having to work to sweat. Right. So you take. Any bit of water you can, even if it's just creek water. It don't got to be freezing cold water, any water. But if you throw that over your head and literally get your body as much wet as it can, your body will focus more on running and less on sweat. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which is, I mean, dude, it's literally saved me so many times in races just right. throwing my head under every bit of water I could find. Oh, yeah, but man. I'm also a savage. I'll drink dunk wall water. I don't give a shit. Dude, before we started that race in Fayetteville, I went and poured water all over my head before we started just because I knew it was going to be a hot race. Every water oh, station. Yeah. Remember how humid it was too, yeah. in the morning? Oh, God. Yeah. Every water station, I drank a cup or two and dunked one, dumped one on top of my head. That was one thing about that race. I definitely lost time at all the aid stations by not carrying water because I drank water at every single aid station. If not one cup, I drank two. But see, now to you, is that worth it? Because I do the exact same thing, and I have a belt now that I finally found the perfect running belt that holds a 10-ounce bottle, and it's got a thing probably big enough to hold about uh, six goos easily. And it's easy access. You could spin it, flip it. You know what I'm saying? It's not It's not a complicated belt at all. What brand the is it? The thing is, uh, it is a Nathan. I'll have to look up the exact brand. It's a Nathan brand, but, I mean, it's got like a six-inch pocket. comes with a 10-ounce bottle. 
and you gotta uh, you gotta put a grip tape on the bottle that way it really stays in there. You know, like if you bomb down a mountain or whatever. But I think like Fayetteville flat running. The only problem is you know going under barbed wire and stuff. You have to probably put it in your hand while you're rolling. Is it a hard bottle? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But to me, it's still not worth it because you know it's just running with that belt on the whole time. I don't know. If it's 100 degrees, I may end up putting it on, but I'm not sure because it's like, well, if they got water at the aid stations, you know, you could tough it out in between those. You'd be all right. There's a couple times last year, though, it's like, damn, if I ate, they still come up, I'm going to die. Like, yeah. right here. So, I just hate, yeah, I might I hate feeling that water bouncing, man. I just hate it. I hate it. Well, that and doing obstacles when I'm not used to doing obstacles with anything on me whatsoever. Right. So, it's kind of like the... But, I mean, you know, never know. That freaking water and, you know, if somebody else ain't got a bottle of water and you got one and you get that extra little bit of water over your head, it might give you a little, you know. So I haven't, I haven't decided. If I wake up that morning and it's really, really hot, I may just freaking pull the trigger. And then you could take it off half race if you need to. That's or keep true. it for the second half. Right. You know, because that second half, you're not moving as fast anyway. No it's going to be hotter on the second half anyway. Right. But, I mean, if you're not moving as fast anyway, why not just – Get the water at the aid stations. Eh, true that. I don't know, man. I just don't like carrying water. I hate feeling that water bounce on me when I'm running, man. It just feels so awkward. And, it's, and I mean, I know it's one of those things where if I ran every single run with it, I know I would get used to it, but I just don't yeah. like wearing it, man. I hate it. I hate it. No disagreement there. Yeah. I mean, I've got a vest with some soft flask bottles that I used when we did that race in Florida, just because it was mandatory, we had to do it. And it wasn't too bad when I changed to the, the soft flask bottles because I had those hard mm -hmm. bottles in there, and it was way worse. But still, man, I just rather would run without it. I agree. I just like those those belts that you pull on like a pair of shorts, you know, that you don't have to hook up. They just oh, yeah. they yep. stay, they stay they on you good, flat. and they ride good. Well, Brian, I mean, so if you have any other advice to give for somebody or any tips or, you know, kind of like your quick tricks or whatever for doing ultras, man, like what is it? Uh, number one would be um, you almost can't run an ultra or, or depends on what you're if you're running to finish versus if you're running to win. But either way. Uh, if you're doing either of those, you literally seriously should do some type of long run two times a month. And I say a long run, I mean like, I don't care if it's a 15 mile hike because your body, if it's not used to being on its feet for three or four hours, actually putting in effort, then it, it ain't going to happen during an ultra. Cause right. it don't matter how many long runs I do every ultra dude at, at four hours, my body's like, dude, I'm so I'm beat. Like I'm beat. You know, that's when you got to fight. So I don't know how many I got to do to get to where I, you know, I feel like it's an easy ultra, which it ain't going to be because obviously you're running fast. But, yeah, you just got to, I mean, just put in miles. I mean, I won't lie. I, now I'm to the point where if I'm not putting in 40-mile weeks, I feel like I ain't doing anything, which yeah. is not not true at all. But I feel like that's a number that's needed, you know. So that's all it is. Just run, 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 run. That's it. All right. <clears throat> I know, man, and I like it's it's kind of like a bad thing, but a cool thing. So you're on the road driving trucks, and 
Like you'll just pull over on the side of the road somewhere where there's a trail at and go hit a run and come back and get in the truck, don't you? Yep, I do that pretty often, especially when I come back through Tennessee because all the mountains on the side of 40, just stop and basically run over wherever you want. Right. <clears throat> and pray that nobody will ever hijack your load while you're doing it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make my trailer a little lighter coming back. I'm like, hell, I didn't see nothing. <laughs> right. Did you ever watch the movie Black Dog? Huh. With Patrick Swayze and he's a tractor trailer driver? No, but now I'm going to have to. And Meatloaf is in it too, man. Rest in peace. Right. That's funny. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, man. I worked at the movie theater when that movie came out. It was like when Patrick Swayze's, I guess, movie career was kind of like on a decline, so he wasn't really, it was like a lot of B-movies he was doing, but this was like a movie that actually went to the movie theater, and it was shot, uh, it was shot like in Georgia and North Carolina too, if I remember right. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you ought to watch it, you'd probably like it since you're a truck driver and everything. Well, Brian, man, I'm all out of questions, man. We're on an hour, and you're working, and I hate to distract you from your obviously hard job where it, uh, you know, demands your 100% attention. So Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying I'm scrolling Instagram going down the road or nothing. No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> or cutting your lights off going through way stations or nothing. <laughs> now, hold up. I definitely, I won't even lie, dude. I haven't stopped at a way station in four years, and I don't plan on it. What? Like, I thought that was, like, a serious, like, you could get in some bad trouble for that. Dude, I've, I've heard, I've, only, I've known one guy get pulled over who got a, I think it was a $400 ticket. But I think he had said maybe he had stopped it, like, two and eight years, and he finally got busted at one. And I think you know, the cop just needed to pull somebody over. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So oh, I was wow. like. Yeah, statistically, it ain't ever going to happen. So, no, that's not even a joke. <laughs> the rebel trucker part, I think that's where that comes from because I ain't stopping that shit. Well, you better knock on wood because tonight might be the night. <laughs> well, tonight, now I'm going to stop at him just because I said that. I'll throw a little more in there for good luck, you know. <laughs> right. Well, hey, man, uh, we'll see you in Fayetteville in a couple of weeks, man. I'm looking yes, sir, forward to it. Good. Hopefully, I won't kill myself in New Jersey and I can still run it worth shit. No, you'll probably take triple ones. Don't worry about it. I doubt that. Just don't let Michael beat that ass. That's all I'm saying. Oh, shit. That ain't going to happen, man. (laughs) (laughs) You better not go. I don't know, man. Michael got third in his age group last year at Fayetteville. The boy's been putting in work, son. You ain't lying, Ran like 190 man. miles in January. I was like, God dang, quit. <laughs> I know, man. I was telling you, man, he's, if, I don't know anybody more stubborn than his ass. I agree. That's without a doubt. So, Brian, man, where can people uh, follow you, man, and see what you're doing? Uh, Rebel Trucker 2024 is the Instagram. Yes, it used to be 94 until I got it hacked like a moron. <laughs> I know I was getting all these texts about Bitcoin and shit. <laughs> yeah, no. No, that one wasn't me. Uh, That's happened to several people, and it's the same thing, too. Yeah, I think Victor Dark Horse got me, and then dude, that, he had the same fake, or they had that same fake account for a while. Hell, I think they was posting family pictures. It was still a fake account. Yeah, it happened to Scott Bennett, too. Yep, yep. All of a yep, sudden, people turn into same. Bitcoin extraordinaires. You know they got hacked. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, that's about it. That's all I'm on is Instagram. I got a Facebook, but I don't use it. 
<clears throat> you do? I don't guess I follow that. I don't. Maybe I do. Dude, I, don't I, I literally made it like a month ago to buy and sell crap. That oh, on the marketplace. Yep. I literally had to make a new one just for marketplace. So I was like, all right, can't buy Harley's if I can't see. Right on. Well, hey, Brian, man, I appreciate you taking time to do this, man, and uh, we'll see you in a few weeks, dude. Yes, sir. Sounds good. All right, man. Be safe. Later. Hope you enjoyed the show. I want to thank Brian the Tiger King again for taking time to talk to us. If you see him at a race, go up to him and say what's up. Brian's a cool dude. He likes talking to people just like I do. Uh, I want to thank everybody that came up to me and said what's up in Charlotte. That means a lot. I love hearing from the listeners out there. Charlotte was a good weekend. It was super freaking cold. Man, it was cold. But uh, it was it was a good race weekend for me. I ended up placing second in my H group both days. Uh, Saturday, I felt good. Like, I come out hot, and I was like, I felt really good. On Sunday, I didn't feel as good, but I managed to still piece together a good race. I think a lot of people didn't run on Sunday that run on Saturday, too. But a lot of the fast guys were still there. Um, I had good carries. Uh, I didn't fail anything. Funny, though, is I ran... Uh, I ran two extra laps on Saturday, and I think I failed the spear both times. But, uh, man, they had a, a, a loop on the spear throw, a penalty loop. And when you looked at the map, you, it looked like it wasn't nothing. But it had like a, a circle, but it was like a spiral circle. So you actually did the circle twice. And I think it was almost like a quarter mile, so and then it ended up being trashed and mud too, so it ended up being like a muddy slog too. But uh Charlotte was a good course. Charlotte's always a good race. Like I said, it was cold, but it was a good race and we had fun. I always have fun at Charlotte. It doesn't matter what the weather's like. That's just a fun venue. And I don't know why. I mean there's just a little bit of technical running, but it's kind of flat. I don't know. It just seems like there's the races are always good there, and I enjoy it. And if you ever get a chance to go out there, uh, if you listen to the last episode where I had uh, the uh, owner from Bonefrog on, you know, just a couple of weeks later, they announced that they weren't going to have any more events uh, for 2022. They've got the one in uh, Boston, or not Boston, one in Massachusetts, and the one in New Jersey, I think. So they got those two. Um, events left and then that's it they're not going to have any more they one guy that works with them says that they may bring back like maybe one event for 2023 but it might be like more of like they set it up at one venue and it stay there i don't know i, di I didn't he had a video and i want to say it's on bone frog's page but i didn't watch it all but that's just what i heard so if you want more information on that go to bone frog's page and uh check out that video also, uh, sign up for one of those last two races if you live around there and you're easy to get to because there's a good possibility that might be the last two. And like I said, those obstacles were really good obstacles. and I, I enjoyed, the, enjoyed it the year I did there. It just seems like their dates always coincide with a Spartan race. And when you got the pass with a Spartan race, it's just cheaper to do Spartan. And that's usually the route that I go. Also, I did my, technically I did my first Tough Mudder this past weekend. It was, um, 
a classic, and it was, I think it was supposed to be a 15K, but I got like 10, 10 and a quarter miles. But it was at the Fairburn, Georgia uh, venue, which is where World's Toughest Motor was at in 2018 and 2019. And it was a good race. I really enjoyed it. I Technically, I guess it's my first one. I did the hot lap at World's Toughest Motor. So I guess that, I don't, I don't know how they... How they count that? I think that's just a funsies thing. I don't know if you could count that as like your first one, but anyway, this is my first one, and uh, we had a lot of fun. I mean, of course, they don't have the competitive waves anymore. And the whole time I was running it, I was thinking this would be an awesome competitive race. But I mean, we run it with there was about five of us, and we were running together, and we had a good time. Their obstacles are super fun. There was only like a couple of rigs, and. Uh, they were really fun. I think they had Funky Monkey and another one that was called the Gauntlet. And the Gauntlet was you walked up this kind of like saw horse beam and it kind of went back and forth. Uh, think Nut Smasher at Savage. And then you swung through some uh, regular rings and there's a platform where you took a break. And then you had to kind of go sideways across this uh, two by six that was kind of sticking up where you had your hands on the the two inch part and then they had like four uh receiver hitch balls you know sticking out sideways off of the board and you had to grab those four balls before you could get to another one of those two by sixes and then you could you know get to the end there but uh tough mudder lives up to its name there's a lot of mud a lot of trenches uh, a lot of crawling and uh, a lot of you know a lot of water pits i mean it was a fun race it's a good time. They had good aid stations that had uh, these Bob's Red Meal bars at it, and they had Gatorade at, a, at one aid station, and it was a good time. We had a lot of fun. Um, so I'm looking forward to World's Toughest Mutter in November, and I'm not planning to go and crush it. I want to go. My goal is to be out there 24 hours, have fun, and maybe get 50 miles. If I start hurting, I'm not going to kill myself. I'm just going to go out there and have fun. That's the goal. I want to have fun. Uh, also, New Jersey Ultras this weekend. And they released the map, which come out today. I didn't do 2021, but a lot of people said that the map looks similar to this, this map. And I'm talking about the October Ultra because... I think the April Ultra got canceled last year because I was planning on doing it too. So this map looks identical to the 2021 map, except for the Ultra Loop is a little bit, there's a little squiggle around obstacle 25 and 24 that's just a little bit different. I want to say even the obstacle lineup for I know the the uh, ultra loop obstacles are the same. Let's see, let's see. I'll pull it up. So, yes. So far, I'm looking through all of this. Like all of these obstacles are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's the same obstacle layout or not. So I don't know if I'd trust this map. Um, because it just doesn't seem... I would hate to think that they're going to do that. 
but if it is correct, um, the penalty loops are on Stairway to Sparta, Twister, Beater, Olympus, and the Box. So really after that, the main failable ones are going to be Z-Wall, the Spear, of course, and the Multi-Rig. So, and Helix if you're having a bad day like Josh Chase did. <laughs> um, oh, and the Rope Climb, too. And the Hercoist. I guess, you know, surely everybody will be able to get the Hercoist up. I mean, they're expecting good weather, so I don't think it's going to rain. So it probably won't be muddy around it. So everybody should be able to get past the Hercoist, unless they just weigh them down like they did in West Virginia. But um, anyway, it looks like you only do the Ultra Loop on the first lap. And the first lap's probably going to be 17 miles because mile 20 and mile 3 are about the same at the same spot going by this map. But anyway, it looks like it's going to be an awesome race. Everybody said they liked that lineup. I know Josh Chase said he loved it in, in the Discord when he was talking earlier. And my buddy Tim Majore said that he liked it too. Uh, I hope you're getting ready. If you haven't packed yet, start packing early. That way you have everything laid out. You've got your eyes on it. And you've got more time to think about, did I forget something? And no, I haven't packed yet, but I'm going to start probably tomorrow. But just a few hot ticket items that are off the top of my head. Of course, you need fuel. And what fuel is for me is, is I swear by SIS gels because they're, they're more like a watery consist consistency where well, they're water-based. I'd say they're the thickness of milk with a Gatorade flavor. And they're really good. I always carry like some electrolyte pills with me too. And if there's no water station around, you can swallow those pills with those gels because they're so watery. They're not like your typical goo where it's, you know, like a paste. I mean, they go down easy. You don't have to hold them in your mouth. And I love them. So I'm probably, I won't, I haven't carried water on an Ultra in a while. So I probably won't carry water. I won't carry water. I'll probably have a flip belt. And I think I got a Nathan belt with two zipper pockets on it too. I'll use that and I'll probably have six or seven gels. I'll have another one in the bucket loaded, ready to go. So all I got to do is slip that one off and slip the other one on. Um, and I'll have some, uh, what's the stuff called? Some, it's chafe stuff. You can get it, body glide. I'll have body glide in my drop bin. I'll have like a little tiny first aid kit with some mole skin for blisters. And I'll probably have like some foot blister cream in there too just in case i'll have an extra pair of shoes probably not an extra pair of socks i don't see the need for that um and the shoes are emergency only most people know that don't change your shoes unless you just got to unless you've got a different brand of shoes or whatever and the the shoes you started with are giving you blisters i mean me i'm running in the king mt2s Rest in peace. I wish they'd have never quit making those, but Ultra did. So I've got two, two and a half pairs left of King MTs. So 
I'll have another identical pair in my drop bin, so there's no use in me changing unless I have a blowout or my shoes are falling apart. Also, uh, what else? I'll have a shaker cup or a 20-ounce body full of Endurolead in there, and I will chug that as fast as possible. And I'll probably have a couple of Honey Stinger waffles and maybe some fun size Snickers, some M&M's, some Reese's Pieces, something like that. Something that's small, something that's easy to chew. So, Because when you come into the, the ultra drop-in area and you're breathing, your heart rate's up, it's hard to eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's hard to eat a Cliff Bar. You'll be chewing and chewing and chewing. So you want stuff that's small. And... Um, the honey stinger waffles aren't as bad. I can kind of, I can kind of chew those and run at the same time. Because usually what I do is I'll open all of this M and M's and I'll mix it. I don't give a shit. I'll mix it all up and put it in one Ziploc bag. So the honey stinger waffles are in there. M and M's, Snickers, whatever, whatever I want. And so I can just open that one bag. I don't have to tear open all these different packages. I'll put a handful of M&M's in there, chug it with Endurolite, and finish that bottle and run out of transition with two Honey Stinger waffles in my hand, and I'll chew on those, and I'll wash them down when I get to the next, the next water station. You know, And that's something I've been doing for the past few races, and it works for me. Everybody's different, so don't go and try what I'm telling you to do you know, without knowing you can do it. Um... I try to stay in the transition like as little as possible. And another thing I would say, like if you're taking like an electrolyte pill and you're taking them like on a time basis, like I'm going to hit one of these every hour, every two hours, kind of time it to where when you're at transition and you got your water or whatever, you can take one there. It's, it's all because that'll be one more thing you can do there that you don't have to do while you're running in the race. Um, also have your headlamp, have extra batteries and, um, that way you'll be ready to go. Hopefully it'll be bright enough. We don't have to start with a headlamp and, um, shoot, I'm trying to think of anything else. Oh, store everything in your bucket, your box or whatever to where the stuff you need first is on the top. And I don't know about y'all, but I usually put my bucket or bin towards the exit instead of the entrance because, once you're done, you won't have to like go through a crowd of people or whatever. Just run straight to your bin, close to the end, and you're ready to go. But anyway, that's pretty much all I got. I keep saying one of these days I'm going to make an episode that's just dedicated to ultras, and but it's not today. But anyway, if you see me out there this weekend, come up to me and say what's up. Uh, I'll be cheering people on during my ultra race, and uh, if you see me out there, cheer me on. Uh, that's all I got. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and we'll see you this weekend, hopefully. And if not, we'll see you at the next race after that. Peace. Mm-hmm.